Hello and welcome to Haaretz Weekend, your audio supplement to the news from Israel, the Middle East and the Jewish world. I'm Simon Spungin. On today's show... These mist-covered mountains Are On today's show, I'll be taking a deep dive with human rights lawyer and LGBTQ plus activist Itai Mack into the Israeli gay community's Me Too moment, conversion therapy, and the price the LGBTQ plus community in Israel is paying for its alliance with companies that sell technology used to repress gays elsewhere. Today's episode contains description of sexual harassment that some listeners may find disturbing. Itai, thank you for joining me. Hi. So listen, I I originally invited you onto the pod because of an article that you wrote for Haaretz uh, in which you call on Israel's LGBTQ communities to examine their relationship with ostensibly gay-friendly Israeli companies that develop and sell weapons systems, mobile phone hacking systems, and surveillance tools uh, to countries which persecute their own gay communities. Uh, We will get onto that in due course, but um, I I want to start, if that's okay with you, with what's being referred to as the uh, Israeli LGBTQ community's Me Too moment. Uh, There have been allegations raised against two very prominent activists, uh, Galuchovsky and Itai Pinkas Arad. Uh, Just this week, the first sexual assault complaint was filed against Uchovsky, uh, who was also head of IGI, the Israel Gay Youth Movement. So first of all, uh, is it accurate to talk about a Me Too moment? Is that what we're witnessing here? Yeah, I think that uh, in parallel to to the movement in the heterosexual uh, community or the majority, the Me Too movement uh, has its beginning by exposing uh, stories connected to powerful uh, people. Mm. Uh, uh, and I, I think that uh, from talking about uh, powerful uh, people, and of course, Galochowski and Itai Pinkas were uh, powerful people in the community, and also in general uh, culture and, and politics in Israel, it's a way to encourage to start talking also about uh, the Me Too issues on the daily life. And, uh, I see this, what's happening now, the same, let's say, uh, snowball that start rolling like we saw before in the US with Harvey uh, Weinstein stories and uh, more stories. Of course, I'm not comparing Galuchowski to Harvey Weinstein, but the, the issue of, uh, of a power relationship is very important in the story of the media movement. Mm. In France, the community has been using the Me Too gay Hashtag. Is there something similar in Israel? So I'm not uh, familiar with that, but I think uh, it's a movement that is spreading everywhere. Mm. It's being reported that in response to these allegations, the Aguda, the Association for LGBTQ plus Equality in Israel and other organizations have launched a plan to combat sexual abuse in that community. What can you tell us about that plan? Yeah, I can only say that I, I congratulate them on, uh, on listening and uh, acting immediately 
after the revelation, but it's important to say that uh, this organization and others uh, have been working on this issue for many years because uh, it's not the first time that there are uh, some allegations. And, and also in Israel, there, there is this uh, organization that are working both about uh, supporting uh, male and, f- and uh, female uh, victims of uh, sexual uh, attack and harassment that have been working for uh, decades. So I think, I think it's an important step and it's important that they decided to do this uh, immediately. Mm. Now, from, from what I understand, uh, the first stage of the plan is a, a campaign to encourage victims of sexual abuse and harassment in the LGBTQ communities to report incidents to centers for victims and, and to the Aguda uh, hotline. Uh, do members of, the, uh, of those communities face special challenges when it comes to speaking out or, or reporting sexual assault and harassment? Well, I, I think that uh, when we are talking about the LGBTQ uh, plus community, there are also the personal question if someone is uh, outside or inside the closet. Because uh, when someone uh, is, is uh, still hiding his uh, sexual identity, if he wants to, to file an official or unofficial complaint, it means that it could expose his uh, sexual orientation. So uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of issues uh, around this that are uh, unique to the community of the LGBTQ that you don't have in the straight community, straight mm. majority. Mm. Uh, what about your own personal experiences, Itai? Uh, I think like uh, most people in the community, I also had some in- incident, but I want to, to share an incident uh, about uh, someone with uh, power, because I think this is an important uh, issue now to talk about. Mm. About... Uh, 14 years ago, I've been working with a group of uh, religious gay to convince uh, what you call the Tzionud Atit. Religious Zionism. Yeah, religious Zionism to to leave uh, their support for uh, conversion uh, treatments. So in that campaign, uh, we met with different uh, rabbis and and influencers in the a Zionist religious community. And uh, one time uh, I was recommended by someone uh, important in that community to meet someone else that uh, I was told that is very important. And if uh, I managed to convince him, he could help uh, convince others and that maybe it could be uh, some kind of a game changer. But, and I was told that uh, he's not feeling well and uh, I was sent to, to meet him in his uh, apartment to talk with him about the, the problem of uh, conversion treatment and how mm. it uh, affects uh, mentally and physically the survivors of uh, this uh, treatment. So I went to his uh, apartment and when uh, I entered there, uh, he was uh, completely naked and he only wore uh, like an end towel on his waist. And he uh, tried uh, just when I entered to to convince me to go with him to the room. And of course I didn't want to. So we just sat in the in his living room and I uh, sat in front of him. He was totally naked with his uh, towel on his uh, waist. And I uh, explained to him my opinion about conversion treatment. I gave him all, all uh, the agenda and all my speech about it. And uh, after that, after I finished saying what I had, he again tried to to encourage me to go to the other room and I, I uh, refused. And uh, again, I talked with him about the 
reminding him that uh, I hope that he will able to talk with other uh, people and rabbis about the issue of conversing with him and, and he said that uh, he will think about it. And when I, uh, I left his house, I uh, immediately called a friend to tell him what happened, but uh, I didn't do anything uh, with that except of it because uh, he was supposed to be a very uh, powerful uh, man. I was feeling like I was putting in a trap because I was, sent, I, I was told that uh, I should go uh, meet him. Uh, but after that, I wanted to forget about this. Mm. And uh, every once in a while, I'll check on the internet what's uh, been going on with him. And uh, after a few years, I saw that he died from his disease or something. But anyway, it's 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 example, I think, uh, how it's difficult to talk about uh, incident that happens with powerful men. Because then you, you are not only co- complaining about a specific incident, you're also uh, complaining about a powerful man and, his, uh, and the people that around him and all uh, the power structure that protect him. So I don't know if the incident that happened to me happened to others. And of course, he didn't try to physically attack me, mm. but uh, I don't know why. Maybe in other cases, he did try to physically attack people. But also in the case of Harvey Weinstein, you will that he had uh, different uh, meetings. In some of the cases, he was more violent. In some of the cases, he was not violent. So, so I think uh, when we are talking about the Me Too, a lot of time, the people that uh, there are complaints against them are, are trying to show themselves as victim. Like, why you are waiting all these years? Why mm-hmm. you, you haven't complained uh, before? I can't remember uh, the story. Uh, so, so I think it's, uh, it's very uh, difficult, even for me, as a human rights activist, uh, back then I, I was uh, in, in my final year of studying uh, law. I, I still uh, didn't talk with anybody with this story except on the one phone call with, with my friend with, uh, when I left uh, the house. Mm. And anecdotally, when, when one talks to one's female friends, and, and there is hardly anybody who hasn't experienced this kind of harassment by somebody in power, whether it's, you know, in the movie industry or, or in their office. Um, it, 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 do you think that we're going to discover that it's equally prevalent amongst the LGBTQ communities? Yes, I, I think so, because uh, again, I think it's connected to, uh, to power structure in, in, uh, in uh, the society. But uh, as I said, especially in the LGBTQ uh, plus community, because of the issue of, uh, of the closet, that mm. people are hiding their uh, identity, and, and, uh, or if, if people come from a religious uh, community, it's, uh, it's more difficult. And uh, it raises a, a theological question. Another thing, I think uh, it's a power structure that enable abuse and also to silence the abuse. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I cannot say I don't want to say that this uh, issue is stronger or happening more in the LGBTQ community than the heterosexual majority. I don't think so. I, I think it's connected to to power structure in all communities and sub communities. Mm. I mean, obviously, the patriarchy is the same patriarchy in Israel and and everywhere else in the world. Is it especially complicated for LGBTQ plus 
people in Israel, because, you know, on the one hand, we have openly gay ministers and very progressive legislation on some issues. But at the same time, uh, homophobia is alive and kicking. And, and every day, it seems that some rabbi is calling for a ban on on gay lecturers and teachers. Is it, you know, one step forward, two steps back? So I think the organization of the community work really hard in the last uh, years to connect the periphery to the center. And there's a lot of uh, activity in the periphery of uh, Israel. Mm. On the other end, there are communities that are totally left behind. So there are some uh, organizations that are doing amazing work in the religious community, but I think uh, there is still a vacuum. So for example, uh, while uh, let's say the community in Tel Aviv is more talking about uh, surrogacy and weddings in the ultra-Orthodox and religious communities, both I think in the Jewish and Muslim communities, the conversion treatment are still widespread. And also the legislation suggested by uh, Minister Ophel Nitzanovitz is not relevant to them because uh, there are very few uh, uh, professional psychologists and psychiatrists that are doing conversion uh, treatments. Most of the people that are doing this uh, are not uh, professionals. They don't have a license from the government. Mm-hmm. They are religious people or rabbis or uh, religious leaders. And also uh, in the Zionist religious, many varieties of conversion treatment. But the, the one that I tried to, to deal with was a, a method of... Uh, 12 steps mm-hmm. and uh, the way they work is that the, the guides in the treatment are to be like uh, ex-gays, people that change their uh, sexual orientation and of course it creates a dangerous uh, situation because of course uh, I don't know how many people manage to, to change their sexual orientation and uh, part of the treatment is, is to make gay people more uh, normalized to, to mainly a relationship and physical connection. So it, it put people in dangerous situation for, uh, for abuse by, by the people that treat them. So I, I think there's, there's still a, a, a lot of uh, void that uh, both the, the Knesset and the politicians and also the organization are not dealing with. I think also because it's very difficult and also uh, because uh, there could be big uh, backlash about it. Mm, and we saw but, the backlash uh, when there was the legislation suggestion in the Knesset. Right, there, there are openly homophobic parties in, in the Knesset. I'm, no, I'm, and is this why Horowitz's law is, is, is stuck? I mean, our, our Knesset correspondent, uh, Michael Hauser-Tove, told me several months ago that we shouldn't hold our collective breath uh, uh, over the a ban on conversion therapy. Yeah, but I, I think it's not only the matter of uh, putting a ban on conversion therapy. There are also other possibilities for practical uh, advances. So, for example, uh, if the, the Ministry of Health and the uh, Ministry of uh, Social Affairs finance programs for uh, organization or even for uh, psychological and other kind of support for LGBTQ plus uh, people inside the religious communities. Mm. So there are some programs already. But uh, I think uh, they are not uh, big enough and they are not satisfying all the needs of, of these uh, communities. Because many people inside the religious community will probably will never be able to, to live fully as uh, gay people. They, they probably will get married or stay uh, single. 
but uh, still they need uh, some kind of support to have a reasonable life. So as I said, there are amazing organizations like Havruta and Batkol and others that are working, but uh, I think uh, the government could do more, especially nowadays with the current government, to support these people except of, uh, of trying to pass in the Knesset the, the, the ban on a conversion treatment. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, Itai, um, Israel's LGBTQ plus communities are facing threats from the outside as well. Uh, I, I'm thinking about the hacking of a, a gay dating website by Iranian hacker group Black Shadow. Uh, how have responses been to that? So I'm not, uh, of course, uh, representing the, all the community. I can talk uh, on myself and mm. uh, my friend that uh, I think... Uh, uh, people uh, were shocked, a lot of people uh, are worried, uh, a lot, I think a lot of people are even afraid to check if their inf- own information was leaked, but uh, as I wrote uh, in my article in Haaretz, it raised uh, questions about uh, the solidarity of uh, the community uh, with Palestinians that uh, are being under uh, surveillance by uh, this unit uh, A200. Uh, and the Shabak and other authorities that might uh, use their uh, sexual orientation for black blackmailing them to mm. collaborate with Israel, uh, and even if they not black blackmailing them, uh, that la- they don't have uh, privacy. And also about the question of solidarity with uh, LGBTQ plus communities in other countries that the regime over there uh, uh, put the, the LGBTQ community as one of their main targets for uh, political persecution. Uh, and they are being uh, supported in arms and surveillance system by the Israeli government. Uh, mm. and, and this obviously ties into recent reports that, you know, the NSO groups, Pegasus, Malware has been found on the phones of Palestinian activists, not necessarily LGBTQ plus activists, but Palestinian activists. So this is, is, is a very timely issue. So which companies are we talking about? What is it that they are selling? And, and, and how is this, these weapons, we have to call them weapons, right? How are they being used? So there, there is zero transparency on the Israeli side, but uh, through the investigation that I and other did, and, uh, and most of them were uh, published uh, in Haaretz, especially when they're talking about surveillance system by the journalist uh, Ode Jaron, Mm. Uh, we see that the uh, police unit, an investigative unit in uh, Indonesia, in uh, Russia, in uh, Bangladesh, for example, that uh, one of the targets uh, are the LGBTQ uh, plus community uh, are using a system to hack mobile phones, specifically uh, the apps that are popular in the LGBTQ plus community like uh, Grindr and uh, Tinder. So they're using also the system. And of course, you cannot apply the argument of, of a company like Celebrite or others that they are selling equipment to fight terrorism and uh, crime when we are talking about uh, Grindr and uh, Tinder. You probably will not find uh, Hezbollah and ISIS or a Taliban activist on Grindr. Mm. <laughs> Do gay communities have a special role to play in, in protesting these companies? So it's interesting because there were some protests uh, in Israel. Also, I think by the some of the LGBTQ plus organization, when uh, the law against propaganda, gay propaganda in uh, Russia passed in the, mm. in the Doma, in the parliament over there, 
but I think there is a voidness for connecting the dots to the Israeli connection in that. And uh, this is what I try to talk about the, about the, the alliance that is between the institutional LGBTQ community in Israel to the ITEC communities. And uh, sadly, a lot of the ITEC uh, industries in Israel are involved in surveillance system and uh, in different kinds of uh, technologies for repression. And this alliance has, uh, I think, uh, for the LGBTQ community in Israel, a meaning of uh, entering the mainstream, getting support by uh, strong uh, actors in the Israeli society. But uh, on the other hand, it taking out the LGBTQ community in Israel from, uh, I think, uh, other uh, communities in the Western world. Because uh, I think in the US and in Western Europe, the, the organization and uh, the community itself are more radicalized and more connected to social uh, justice uh, struggles. So for example, in the US, the biggest organization, JALD uh, of the LGBT community is very supportive of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and also very supportive in the struggle against uh, police violence. Uh, so, so in Israel, I think the, the root of discussion and the, the way that historically the LGBTQ community entered the mainstream was through saying, uh, we pay taxes, we're going to the army. Mm -hmm. In other countries, I think there was a different uh, historical way to enter uh, the, the mainstream and there are more connection to general struggles of the society. But I'm not trying to give grades to saying this one is a bad guy, this one is, is a good guy. Right, it's, it's a question of priorities. It, presumably, it's a question of priorities for each uh, for each LGBTQ plus community in Israel. Perhaps the 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 priority in 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 previous years was be to be entering the mainstream, which is why, as you wrote, the leaders of of in inverted commas the leaders of these communities made a pact with companies that don't necessarily represent their values and is is this something that grassroots members of the of the communities agree with or is it a you know the pact with the devil's been made on their behalf of course the the activists that they am working with that are part of the lgbtq community are against are against this line and also working against the company so i think like on the ground level on the activist level uh, there are many LGBTQ plus uh, activists that are working against this line and against the, the companies mm. and also have solidarity with activists from other parts of the world. But I think like on the institutional level, there is the, this alliance. And to me personally, I, I cannot connect it to that because I see uh, my place in the world as both being a Jew and and being a gay person as a position of uh, fighting for, for uh, social justice and being part of a coalition of uh, world minorities and not mm. uh, joining the club of uh, bullies. Mm. Uh, is, is, is there not almost a sense, though, of, of damned if they do, damned if they don't? Because irrespective of, of the uh, position of the LGBTQ community in Israel on celebrated NSO and whatever, there will always be people calling for, for example, a boycott of the Tel Aviv International LGBT Film Festival, which gets underway this weekend uh, uh, in Israel. So I, I think uh, you are right with that. But again, uh, I think in the place that the, the institutional LGBTQ plus community 
is now in Israel, which is very connected to the government, which is very connected to the same messages of the government. I think the, the community shouldn't be uh, surprised when uh, it's, it's not been uh, welcome in a more uh, radical circles around the world. Because uh, being a gay person is not uh, like a ticket that you could go with it to any club. You have to show uh, what your true colors are, what, what you support, what your ideals, what are your uh, values. And uh, I, I could say that uh, I think to me and to my uh, colleagues in the activist uh, community, Despite being uh, Israelis, we never have had uh, any problems being in the most uh, radicalized circles mm. because the, the, the people over there know what we are uh, supporting. So, of course, there were always naysayers, no matter what uh, Yair Rochner, the organizer of the Tel Aviv Fest, will do. But it's a matter of, uh, of process and how you are, you are being in, di- in a dialogue with the community of the LGBTQ outside of Israel. And if you want to, to be part of the propaganda machine of uh, the Israeli government, you, you shouldn't be surprised when uh, you get in a backlash. And I'm not saying that uh, Tel Aviv is, is part of it, but uh, the, I think the, all the alliances that the community build, also with Netanyahu and other issues, mm. has, in my opinion, caused some uh, damage. Mm. Uh, Itai, I'm, I'm afraid we're out of time. Uh, thank you so much for joining and thank you so much for sharing uh, your story with us. Thank you for inviting me. Listener, we've added links to some of the organisations offering support to survivors of sexual assault and harassment in the programme notes of this week's episode. My thanks to Itai Mack and, as always, to our producer Aaron Ehrlich. We'll be back again next Friday with another episode of Haaretz Weekend. Until then, Shabbat Shalom from Tel Aviv.